0: Welcome to the podcast of Life Changed Church, where we exist to love people to life change. We hope that this podcast is both challenging and encouraging to you. Enjoy the message. I asked to speak about a month and a half ago. <clears throat> I was given a list of parables to pick from, and I still am not sure why I picked this one. I, I only have come to the conclusion that probably it picked me. And so I have wrestled for a month and a half. I have crammed and read everything I could possibly read. I have tried to pray more because I'm going to talk to you about prayer. I, I almost didn't want to tell you what I was going to speak on because in my, <clears throat> in my thinking, when you stand in front of a church and say we're going to talk about prayer you almost see the door slamming shut and the curtains being pulled tight because nobody wants to feel guilty. Nobody wants to deal with, oh boy, here it goes. It's going to be one of those. I hope it's not one of those. I hope this is a sermon that by the time we're done over the next 30 minutes that we walk out of here more hungry to know God than we've ever known Him in the past. So the parable is found in Luke chapter 18, starting in verse 1. Hopefully you have your Bibles or some kind of a Bible app. I heard there's one around. I've heard that. You're only going to get one slide. Well, maybe two. We only had one slide first service. We may have upped our game for the second service. But it's not the Scripture. So you're either going to have to follow along in your own Bible or listen as I read. One day Jesus told his disciples a story so that they should always pray and never give up. There was a judge in a certain city, he said, who neither feared God nor cared about people. A widow of that city came to him repeatedly saying, Give me justice in this dispute with my enemy. The judge ignored her for a while, but finally he said to himself, I don't fear God or care about people, but this woman is driving me crazy. I am going to see that she gets justice because she is wearing me out with her constant request. Then the Lord said, learn a lesson from the unjust judge. Even he rendered a just decision in the end. So don't you think God will surely give justice to His chosen people who cry out to Him day and night? Will He keep putting them off? I tell you, He will grant, them, grant justice to them quickly. But when the Son of Man returns, how many will He find on the earth who have faith? Let's bow our heads for prayer. Now Lord, before you are broken words, before you are... Thoughts in my mind and in my heart. The Lord, more importantly than anything I may say today is what you have to say to us deep into our minds and deep into our hearts, shape our souls. Lord, I ask today. May the words of my heart, meditations of my heart and the words of my mouth be acceptable, Lord, in your sight, in these moments. In your name I pray. Amen. This parable that I just read to you is a contrasting parable, not a comparison parable. What that means simply is this Jesus did not tell it for any reason like, oh, God is like the unjust judge. Or even, you and I are like the widow that could not get a hearing. That would be ludicrous. That was not why. He told it. In fact, our one slide, or possibly two, our one slide says, one day Jesus told his disciples a story to show that they should always pray and never give up. You're going to hear that a lot. You won't even need to take a picture of that slide with your phone. Always pray and never give up. Obviously, Jesus is not wanting us to compare ourselves but we are trying to learn what we can learn from the contrast. What does Jesus want us to know out of this story? Well, He wants us to know that God is just and hears us when we pray. What does Jesus want us to feel? That that we can trust Him even when we might not think or feel that He is hearing our prayer or listening what does jesus want me to do to keep praying and never give up now i'm going to i'm going to send a a handout that can go on facebook later today or tomorrow with the notes from this message so you don't need at least the outlines you don't even need to worry about that today you can write it if you want to Let me make some observations about prayer and praying. My goal today is to be as honest as I possibly can about my own prayer life. Okay, observation one. Most of us in this room struggle with prayer, it's really quiet. It's a good thing I can't see your faces. Most of us pray the most consistently when we are in the middle of a crisis. Just being honest. We struggle with prayer because sometimes it feels like God isn't there or it feels like a one-sided conversation. When we don't pray, we are more prone to stray. Many of us don't think we have enough time to pray. If you haven't prayed in a long time, it's going to feel awkward. That keeps a lot of people from praying, actually. It's this catch-22. Well, I, I used to pray, but I haven't prayed in a long time. And now when I try to even think about praying, I feel guilty, and who wants to feel guilty? And I don't want to get down before. I mean, you, you got to get over that. Most people pray sometimes. Muslims pray five times a day. Jews traditionally pray three times a day. One survey said that over 30% of atheists will admit to praying sometimes. Because there is a human need inside all of us to connect to God or something that is bigger than us. It's been since the history of time. No matter what culture, no matter what country or nation or continent, there are people constantly searching for some kind of a God that they can pray to in some kind of a way. It's just a fact. Prayer restores our vision to the one that most resembles, to, to a vision that most resembles God. Through prayer, we see God, we know God, we we feel his heartbeat, and it translates into us being more like him. Alexander Schumann, the late priest who led a reform movement in Russian orthodoxy, tells of a time as a young man, before he went into the priesthood, he was young, he was a person of faith, but he was not very mature. He was on a subway in Paris, he was Russian, on a subway in Paris with his fiance, and at one stop, an old, and in his words, ugly woman, dressed in the uniform of the Salvation Army, got on and found a seat nearby. The two lovers whispered to each other in Russian about how repulsive this old woman looked. A few stops later, she stood to exit, and as she passed by their seat in perfect, fluent Russian, she said, I wasn't always ugly. The woman was an angel of God, according to to Shaman, because as he used to tell his students, That encounter seared his mind forever. (laughs) To be careful how he spoke. To Be careful how he looked at other people. When we know God through prayer, he shapes us in ways that leaves a searing vision and we will never forget it in our interactions with other people. You will not live on this planet and agree with everybody around you. I hope not or you're going to be all miserable. But J.I. Packer in his classic book, Knowing God, says, those who know God have a great energy for God. Those who know God have great thoughts for God. Those who know God show a boldness for God. And those that know God through prayer have a great contentment in God. There should be in the heart of every professed follower of Jesus Christ a deep, unrelenting passion to know more about God. Prayer will keep us from cooling down in our faith or coasting. Our faith and walk should be intensifying as we mature. And, and I don't want to, again, I want to I say to you, I recently have been thinking and I've, I, I'm i always starting books. I haven't finished any yet, but I've, I've got all these outlines on my computer. There's one coming, just relax. But, but, I, but I'm always starting. I've been thinking about one, maybe because... I'm not old, but I can see old age. I can see it from where I'm at right now. And I've been thinking about people that I know who have walked through that doorway of of, of whatever it is. (laughs) Elderly, older, older age, old age, whatever you want to call it. You know what I'm finding out? I'm finding out from some of the most godly people that I know that sometimes their faith is challenged at a greater level the older they get and I'm like what how could that be you've lived through it all and I'm not picking on them I just want us to know we should be praying we should develop the, the habit of staying connected to God because apparently it doesn't get easier the older you get your faith is just as much challenge and why not Think about the things that come to us when, when we are a little older. I mean, in the course of a lifetime, you may, may have one challenge when you get married and think about relationships, but then you, you have this crazy notion to bring kids on board, and all of a sudden you have a whole new set of challenges. And then your kids become teenagers, and you, and, and you want to find that Old Testament Scripture that says literally if they backtalk, you can stone them, but we don't live in that. We don't live there anymore, but it's in the Bible. Then they become adults and you'd think that would give you some break, but it doesn't. And so our faith, and then your body starts, I mean, I'm sorry, I don't need to bore you with the fact that you're breaking down, but it's going to happen. What should really put us on our knees today in North America especially is that we live in a culture that if you believe this book, without cutting and pasting and making it to sort of be politically correct? Thank you. You believe it from cover to cover. and It takes away the cool factor of your your faith. And right now in our world, if you can't toe the politically correct line because it comes in in contrast with with the Word of God, you're in trouble. Oh, and I'm not talking to politics here, but I'm going to tell you: in North America, we have some rough days. It, 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 it'll be down the road. There'll be a backlash to whatever's happening now. And and then you're if you are a a true Christian follower of this book, you're you're going to be in trouble. You say, "Well, I don't know what that has to do with prayer." Let me just tell you: around the world, well, the Bible is full of of these. These places where it says, don't think it's strange when you fall into fiery trials. Don't, don't, Just know you're going to be persecuted. Just know that the Holy Spirit will give you what you're supposed to say at that time. Or, or, or just look at the disciples who followed Christ first and how their lives ended. Or, or maybe today I was reading about Stephen and I'm, and I'm reading about him preaching his last sermon right before they stoned him and killed him. And, and he, he died praying, seeing the Son of God standing at the right hand of the Father. How many of you know he prayed before he got in that situation? He had a conversation with God. He knew how to talk with God. And when it came time for his life to end, he didn't have to learn how to pray. I gave a devotion at work the other day to the executive team, and I don't think it's the one that ever that, that blessed them as much as they were hoping for, but, but it's a fact, and I, I try to have a world view. I try to know what's going on in the world, not through the, local, not through the news. That's the worst place to get what's happening, but I try to be aware of what's happening, especially in the church around the world. And, and, and persecution is alive and well. 11 men and women a day is the last stat that I've seen are martyred for their faith every day around the world. 11 men or women a day. And I've watched the videos of of some of those men giving testimony when they were supposed to give a confession to, to renouncing their faith in Christ. And they're saying, I, I will trust Christ. He He will come and rescue me. And if not, I'll still follow him. And it's incredible. And then I was reading a revelation the other day, something I, I don't do very often because I, I have PTSD from the 70s when, when that's all we heard preached. And, and it scared us to death. And so it's hard for me to go back in there, but I, I believe it. But I was reading over and around chapter 20 and it was talking about these people who, who, whose souls had been released and they're now serving God. And it mentioned those who have been beheaded. <laughs> they got honorable mention in the book of Revelation. I don't, I don't want to be beheaded. But I have Christian brothers that I don't know around the world who some of them probably today will lose their head for their testimony. You see, in North America, I mean, I mean we sort of have this anemic ho-ha. I mean, we kind of get along. We have good church services on a Sunday morning, and then we go live our lives, and we just kind of, and, and, and there's nothing really that drives us to keep this passionate connection with Christ. But what did Jesus say? I'm telling you this story so you always pray. And never give up. The call to prayer is found throughout the Bible. I want to ask us three questions today. And my goal is not, again, conviction, that's up to the Lord. But my goal is not to stand here and tell you things that make you feel guilty. Because we could all do that. I can do that. I'm feeling it right now, matter of fact. I wish I could stand here and say, you know what, my prayer life is incredible. In fact, in preparation for this message, I downloaded last week, I mean, I did research, and I downloaded the most legit prayer list app that I could find. I mean, it has so much stuff. I have people's names in there. I have stuff for for my family, for my marriage, for my work. I have things for this church to pray for. I have things. I mean, the list is unbelievable. And you can add scriptures. And, and I was so proud of myself. And I didn't do it because I wanted to stand up here and tell you about it. Because what I'm going to tell you is not all that great. I, what I'm not going to tell you is how many times I've opened it since I downloaded it. Because prayer is work, it's not easy. It's not, oh, it's easy when we're desperate. It's easy. Well, let me go on. What keeps us from praying? Question number one. Distractions. Often we attempt to pray. It's easy to become distracted. I don't know if you feel this. I know I have a little bit of AD and maybe a little bit of ADHD. It wasn't diagnosable when I was a kid, but I can tell you stories all day long about teachers, if they were still alive, or maybe they are, who would say, who would say, he drove me crazy. And so when I go to pray or when I go to focus, I mean, I'm like, my head is all over the place. This morning, while I was trying to pray, I thought, well, I'll try that. I'll try that thing I've seen like Jews do. Now they're supposed to look up to heaven. But sometimes they pray like this. And I thought, maybe that's well, that's a sign of you know, ADD and trying to get your thoughts to stop worrying and whirling around in your mind. It can be a horn blowing, a dog barking, a sprinkler coming on. It can be a motorcycle going down the road, and my thoughts are gone. Philip Yancey in his book on prayer said, I just take a legal pad in to where I'm going to pray and when every distracting thought comes, I write it down and shove it aside. I'll deal with it later. Because that's what happens when people try to pay distractions. I mean, sometimes our distractions come in the form of that little device that's connected to our hand. I know, I spoke about that last time I was here. And I'm not going to say anything because... I'm just as bad as everybody else. But Pastor John Piper said, listen to this, one of the great uses of Twitter and Facebook will be to prove at the last day that prayerlessness was not from a lack of time. John Piper said it, I I didn't say it. That should just make us honest. What keeps us from praying? Defeat keeps us from praying. Do you know that if a person fails in their Christian walk, or you've sinned in some way, maybe it was quietly, secretly, you, you don't really want to pray because now you feel even worse. It's like coming to your parents and saying, i got to tell you I did something wrong. That feeling of coming to the Father and saying, I, I was done so good. But now I've I, I failed. I mean, maybe you were all good kids, but I can remember waking my parents up in the middle of night. Part of it was because of that preaching in the seventies that, you know, we knew we weren't going to ever graduate from high school because Jesus was coming back tomorrow. And I'd get to thinking about that sermon and literally at two or three o'clock in the morning, I'd be standing by my parents' bed as a child because I wanted to confess some horrible sin that I'd one time, it was spray painting my name on a telephone pole. And it got to, it worked in my mind, and I'm like, "Oh man, they're gonna know." Because how many Wesleys live on this block? Only one. But who wants to tell your mom and dad? And I thought, what what's gonna happen? And I I have to tell you this. I'm just digressing a little bit. I I remember seeing my dad. He snuck out. He wasn't as sneaky as I thought, because I saw him with a spray paint can. And 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 then about an hour later, I rode past that telephone pole in the alley, and it was all. Wesley was all sprayed out. I don't, you know, you need to go to the Father. He takes care of things. (laughs) But defeat will keep us from praying. Discouragement (coughs) keeps us from praying. You know what? God does answer prayer, but He doesn't always answer like we want. And I think of the prayers of Jesus. I think about how often He prayed. I think of what it must have been like in the garden just hours before He knew He was going into a horrible crucifixion. One that He had signed up for as the Son of God, but as a human being, which He was 100% both, if you can grasp that. As a human being, he's in the garden and the Bible says he is praying and sweating like great drops of blood. He's so earnest. His prayer was, let this cup pass from me. I mean, who wants to be nailed to a cross and hung there until you just literally die? I'm not going to go into all that, but he knew what was coming. Then I got to thinking about that. You know, he prayed before the bad stuff happened, so he, he didn't sweat great drops of blood when he was been being beaten and bloodied, or having a crown of thorns pushed in his head, or hands or arms, legs nailed to the cross, or a spear in his side. He, he, didn't, he didn't sweat great drops of blood then in prayer, he had already prayed. And it gave him the ability at the cross to, to, to say to a thief, you're going to be with me today in paradise. And, and to say, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they do. And then he had another prayer. My God, why have you forsaken me? That kind of sounds like us. I mean, we've said, my God, why have you forsaken me? When we get a flat tire at an inconvenient time. God, why'd you, why'd you do this? he didn't. Stuff just happens. What motivates us to pray? Detours come into our lives. It's the phone call you never wanted. It's the diagnosis you dreaded or the medical test that takes way too long to get results. It's when our kids do something that has ripple effects that will last a lifetime. It might even be at that moment when you're facing the detour of death and all of a sudden people are motivated to pray in that moment. I wouldn't wait that long. I'd be praying now. I'd be building my relationship with God now. Sometimes people wake up to the fact that their life is headed in the wrong direction. Addictions, unhealthy relationships, lack of income, something else that you're feeling overwhelmed and desperate and and you want to pray at that moment. Desperation causes us to pray. Anybody ever seen Fiddler on the Roof? Anybody? I think a couple people. If you've ever seen that, it's... It's, it's about a Jewish family and the Jewish faith and the this man this this hard-working farmer who takes care of his wife and his children and goes through all of, it's a it's a great musical and, and Tevi is his name and he's he's got this running dialogue with God he prays all you know just mentions he's always looking to God for something <laughs> and and in that in that dialogue, he's giving credit for the good things, but also lamenting when things go wrong. And in one scene, he's sitting or standing by his lame horse, that is his only mode of transportation. And this is what he prays: "He said, I understand it, God. When you punish me, when I'm bad, or my wife because she talks too much, or my he said that I didn't say that, or my daughter because she wants to go off and marry a gentile. But God, what do you have against my horse?" Desperation leads to pray because things aren't going our way. Thirdly, what should motivate us to pray? And this is where I want the message to take a little bit of a good turn. Prayer is the currency of our relationship. It's the drawing to God that every Christian should feel. Communication is so important. You know, if you repress issues in a marriage or a human relationship, they don't go away. They usually come out a couple months or years later, and they're way bigger than they were if you just would have dealt with them. So if you if you've got something going on in your life between you and God, or it's keeping you from praying, just just get on, get it taken care of. He knows anyway. So so walk the road of faith, and and just say, Lord, I screwed up. Lord, I I am so sorry. Lord, you know I'm dying down here. Lord, you know what's going on. Where are you? Be drawn to him. Be drawn to him. You know the Bible has so much to say about prayer. One of my favorites is this. Draw near to God, and he'll draw near to you. If I were to get DJ to I won't, but if I would have him stand over there and I came over here, and every time I took a step, he took a step, and every time I took a step, he took another step toward me. We would exhaust that eventually. We'd run into each other. But when it comes to God, you can never exhaust that. Just keep drawing near and near and near to God. It's determination. Jesus' whole goal for telling the story was to simply help us understand. Be determined. Never give up. Never give up. And then there's the delight that comes with being in a relationship with God. When you push past the awkwardness and the discouragement and understand that there's a deep call within you that comes from God who wants to hear from us. He wants to commune with us. That's incredible. I mean, I grew up singing the old Fanny Crosby song. I think it's... I uh, I can't remember the title. But I remember this verse. I think it's, I am Thine, O Lord. I remember this verse. Oh, the purity light of a single hour that before Thy throne I spent. Stop right there. That sounds great. And I hope that Fanny Crosby, that wonderful blind hymn writer, spent an hour that was pure delight. Many times if I tried to pray an hour, it would be the most frustrating experience of my life. Should that keep me from praying? No. I've read... As a, as a young man going into ministry about every classic book on prayer you could. And they inspired me one minute. And then the next minute I would think, why should I even, why should I even bother? I mean, Ian e. Bounds and, and, and even John Wesley and, and, and Tozer and all those guys who, and Martin Luther prayed two hours at least a day, rising at 4 a.m. every morning and got two to four hours. And I mean, how can I do that? but I still feel in my heart there's a drawing to stay connected to my Savior. I feel it now at my age and in my life more than ever. And here's the kicker to this whole sermon. Jesus told this story that we should always pray and never give up. And I think everybody accepted that. Oh, that's great. Thank you, Lord. That's a great story. We'll write that one down. And then He asked a question. He said, but when the Son of Man returns, How many will He find on the earth who have faith? And that's where it begins to get really real. Going back to the story for a moment, pray with patience. They should always pray and never give up. Pray with persistence. A widow came to Him repeatedly. Pray with passion that the Son of Man will find faith when He comes to the earth. I want to tell you two stories and I'm going to close. Evie Hill, who's passed away now, but he was a great preacher, pastor. Probably one of the best things that he ever did, as far as I'm concerned, was when he preached his wife's funeral. He pre- I think he went 60-some minutes preaching at his wife's funeral. You ought to listen to it. It's out there he told stories he had people crying he had people almost rolling in the aisles laughing as he preached his wife's funeral her name was baby at least in his mind he called her baby but in his book a savior worth having he'll told about being one of five children african american children raised by a single mom during the great depression in rural texas and his mom was one thing but there was a lady in the church named mama who was no relation but she kind of took him under her wing, and she announced to the whole church when he was in ninth grade, my boy is going to finish high school. Most young blacks in rural Texas in those days would quit after after ninth grade and tenth grade. They would go to work for about $2 a day and try to support their families and help out. He'll finish high school just as mama said he would. And then she said, you're going to go to college. So she bought him a bus ticket and a suit and a couple pairs of jeans and some shirts. And she took him to the bus station and she gave him five bucks and sent him off to Texas A&M. Hill said he had $1.83 left when he pulled into Prairie View, Texas and he spent 25 cents of that catching a city bus to the Prairie View A&M campus. As he stood in line at the registrar's office, he noticed a sign that said cash, cashier's check, or money order, $83, due now. He said, Satan whispered into my ear, you have no business being here. But he said, I remembered mama's promise, I'll be praying for you. So he stayed in line. He was almost next and somebody laid a hand on his shoulder and said, are you Ed Hill? And the man told him you need to get out of line. They walked off to the side and he said, son, did you not get our letter? We've been trying to contact you. We are giving you a four-year scholarship. It will pay your tuition, room, and board, and $35 a month for spending money. That was a huge amount, by the way. And E.B. Hill said, all I could hear was Mama saying, I'll be praying for you. I'll be praying for you. All of those prayers that we pray are not that sensational. Forgive me for a personal illustration. My parents were not perfect people, but they were in ministry my whole entire life. I know that they gave every minute of their lives to Jesus. Sometimes as a kid, I thought they gave too much. we all think our parents did something wrong. But I know I would come home from school. One of the greatest memories I have is hearing my mother pray behind a closed bedroom door. I don't remember any words she spoke. I remember the pitch and the tone because it wasn't a conversation. I try to talk to God conversationally, but it was an earnestness. And an interceding. I assume it was for her family. I assume it was for my dad, who was a pastor. I assume it was for people who needed to know Jesus in the church. I'm pretty sure it was those things or people that were sick. But I can still hear the tone of her voice. And what I know is this because they kept in contact with Jesus and because they prayed. There were no last-minute prayers to be prayed. As my dad, there was no panic. There were no regrets. As my dad lay in a deep sleep the last few hours of his life, he had had a stroke. He always said, I don't want to have a stroke. He had one, a brain bleed. Within two weeks, he had passed away. It was a gift from God for him. But the last day, he just fell asleep 24 hours his blood pressure kept dropping slowly over 24 hours. And about 5 o'clock on the night, about 12 hours before he died, this couple came in. I don't didn't know them. And the lady said, your dad always liked to hear me sing. And I'm a pretty private person. That whole public display of... I mean, I, I mean, I don't mind if you want to hold hands and pray in the airport go for it, or you want to do all those things, that's between you and God. But I'm kind of like, I just want to be over here in the corner, and I love God and love Jesus, but I'm not that public guy. And I'm like, oh boy, here we are in the nursing home, and there's a guy on the other side of the curtain, and I said, it's fine, you go ahead. Twelve hours later, he was gone. We had the funeral. It was this big affair because of his ministry, and and we're standing at the cemetery and I didn't ask my brother or sisters. I just saw that lady there and said, you know, a few hours ago, she, a couple days ago, she sang a song and I wanted her to sing this song here at the cemetery. And she began singing, it's my prayer this morning. In the morning when I rise, give me Jesus. When I am alone oh when I am alone give me Jesus when I come to die oh when I come to die give me Jesus you can have all this world but give me Jesus you see in my heart this week in the last month and a half I've been thinking god I am so I have all the toys I have a smartphone I have an iPad I have all the stuff I have Too many subscriptions on TV. I mean, we are inundated with, you can watch anything all day long. And we fill our minds and our time. And I think I'm going to stand, just me, maybe not you, but I'm going to stand someday before God and I'm going to think about it, my little time on this earth and this eternity that's before me. And I'm going to say, God, what did I do with my time? Why didn't I get to know you better and live closer to you through prayer? Let's bow our heads. Lord Jesus, the most dangerous thing that can happen with this message, Lord, is that I walk out of here. That I walk out of here and don't do anything different than I've been doing. So I ask, Lord, that you will keep me stirred Keep my heart hungry. Draw me near, near, blessed Lord. Whether it's old age, whether it's sickness, in relationships, in all the dynamics of work and all the things that come into our life, Lord, draw us near to you. Thank you for being who you are, Lord. You are the all-powerful God, the one that we serve. Continue to stir us, I pray in your name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Life Change Church podcast. If you were here today and you were listening and you made a decision to follow Christ, we would love to hear about it. Or maybe you're here and you're listening and that God is asking you to make the next step with whatever that it is in your life. We would love to hear about it and partner up with you. If you would, go to www mylifechangechurch.com and under the media section, please fill out the contact us information and let us know if you made a decision to follow Christ. Let us know what God is asking of you. And if you need prayer, we would love to partner up with you in prayer as well. We hope that you enjoyed the podcast and that it both encouraged and challenged you. Have a great week.